Once again, and welcome to Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose with Patty. I am your host, Patty Stulen, and I am the Chief Pathfinder of Pathways with Patty. Today, we have another wonderful and awe-inspiring guest, and that would be Taylor Carruthers. Uh, she is a working mom, nurse, entrepreneur, rooted in resilience and making herself and the world a better place. She is making the most out of each and every day surrendering to what is and co-creating her experience. She is passionate about equity, inclusion, healing, awakening, evolution, and helping others by helping themselves first. Well, Taylor, I want to welcome you to our show today. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? It's the day that we're recording it is a Friday. And as I call it, it's a fabulous Friday, fantastic Friday indeed. And in getting to start my day with you, it is definitely off to a fantastic start. I would absolutely have to agree. It's nice and sunny and, and just, yeah, set to be a beautiful and fantastic Friday. Yes, it is. Well, you, you have had so many experiences in your lifetime and uh, along with those experiences, uh, there's been some challenges and obstacles with them. And through it all, here you are helping others, as it was just mentioned in the intro for you. Why don't you tell our audience about uh, your, your story? Tell us about you and your story. So a little about me, I um, was born in Maryville, Indiana, which is right outside of Gary, and nobody ever really knows that Gary exists unless they realize that's where Michael Jackson is from. So it's like always funny um, <laughs> until I talk to somebody from Indiana. They're like, oh, yeah, I know where Gary is. The rest of the world has no clue. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up, you know, south suburbs of Chicago. I was always in private school. I went to Catholic school for a bit. There was nothing about my life that, um, you know, was different. You know, everything was very, very normal. I was very, very loved and very well taken care of. And I have always excelled, you know, as long as I can remember. I've always been super smart, super competitive and, you know, a good student for the most part. I'm very chatty, as we'll see in this podcast. So I used to always get in trouble for talking too much. Um, but I didn't, you know, particularly have, you know, you hear some people's stories and you're kind of like, oh, I can understand where things went left. And I have been a unicorn for like my entire life because nothing that has, you know, been self-inflicted makes any type of sense of like, how did you come from this home and this type of upbringing but you had a kid at 15, like things just mm -hmm. didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't realize it at the time that like my first addiction was that validation. And when boys got in the mix, you know, that I went to, I ended up going to public high school and um, yeah, I got pregnant when I was 15 years old and like any 15 year old that has no business engaging in sexual activity um, or, being pregnant, I thought if I ignored it, it would go away. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> how do you how how do you say how do you tell a fifteen year old like your entire life's about to change? But um, right. my I ended up 
uh, having my daughter uh, going to live with my uh, biological dad in Western New York. And that is where I've been for the last 20 years. And, you know, having a kid at 15, my daughter's birthday is August 6th and mine is September 5th. So I turned 16 and started my junior year of high school with a baby on my hip. Wow. Um, you both kind of grew up together, didn't you? For sure. She's 21 now. And it's, it, it, I say it all the time, like we definitely grew up together and um, I've learned, you know, I've continued to learn. I, I have five children now, so I didn't learn my lesson. I kept going. <laughs> um, but it was really interesting because my family is just, you know, like I said, incredibly loving, incredibly supportive. So it was a weird period. Thankfully, it wasn't in the, the day and time where I had to go to like a special school and I got like shipped off that type mm -hmm. of isolation. Mm -hmm. But I was the only girl, you know, at the at my high school that had a kid. So the trying to figure out how to navigate, you know, raging hormones as a teenager, figure out who I am while I literally have this little soul that is dependent on me. You know, mm -hmm. I had to get up with my child in the middle of the night and get her up and get her ready for daycare and go to school. Like not finishing high school and not continuing on was never an option that my family, even when for an inkling, I thought, you know, I'm, I need to work and I need to do this. And my family's like, you, you're going to finish school. Like that's, that's uh, whatever you do after high school, that's on you, but like you're finishing school. So I went from this, you know, very engaged, competitive, really good grades to like wanting to drop out for a period of time, calling mm -hmm. myself dropping out. And my dad was like, absolutely, like, no, I absolutely not, not happening. So I did graduate. Real, real quick, real quick, was the father in the picture at all? Um, yes and no. Like I ended up in New York. He was still in Illinois. He actually um, passed away when my daughter was two. Mm -hmm. Um, but with the distance and he was also, you know, a teenager, like it wasn't, I could never say anything negative, um, you know, about that piece of my experience because, you know, we were, we were now, you know, an eight, nine hour drive mm -hmm. away from each other. Um, mm -hmm. but my daughter has always, you know, known who her father is and while he was alive and, and mm -hmm. I fully believe in spirit that he's been with her and his family is, absolutely amazing so it they right. they really stepped in when once he was no longer here physically okay and as for you and your family I mean uh being that I was a public educator for over 30 years and uh at the high school level and having several of my own students and uh other students on our campus become pregnant uh I know that not all of their families were as supportive and encouraging as yours were so what a true blessing that was right there for for you at a very difficult time, not only going through becoming uh, a kid to an adult, but like overnight becoming an adult and, and not understanding everything to at least have the love and support of your family. That's fantastic. A hundred percent. And I laugh now because my oldest is literally 20. She just turned 21 this August. And I'm like, I still don't know what I'm doing. I still <laughs> don't know what I'm doing. Like 21 years later, multiple children later, I still am like, so it, looking back at that experience now, the fact that I was able to graduate, you know, at 17, I graduated on time. I 
I participated. And it's funny because my daughter actually ended up graduating from the same high school that I graduated from. She even had the same principal. Um, So I just like saw the principal and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's my kid. Um, So that was like super fun because, you know, when I wanted to go to the basketball games and homecomings and like all that stuff, my family's like, yeah, of course, either get a sitter or take your, take your daughter with you. Her nickname is Pookie. So we call her Pookie, but her name is Aaliyah. And um, it's so funny because like my friends from high school, you know, they remember like she, she was just this cute, chunky baby. So we'd be at the basketball games and everybody's like giving her snacks. And, you know, again, we're kids, we have no idea, but like to look at, you know, even when they, when I'll post pictures of her now and they comment like, oh my God, Pookie is grown now. And I'm like, yeah, Pookie (laughs) is, Pookie is not the little one, two year old that was hanging out with us. Like, Mm -hmm. And again, I just, you know, you did, you do the best you can, but if it wasn't for my, um, my family, um, you know, I definitely, I, I, there's no way, like there, there's just Mm -hmm. no way that I could have done it because they, you know, they instilled that responsibility for me. The difficulty was just because I did an adult thing and had like this adult responsibility, it did not make me an adult. So I still had rules. I still had chores. I still had to go to school. I still had to get good grades. Like, yes, you can get grounded. Even if you have a kid at 16, like, (laughs) yes, that, so like, that was the, the, the mind warp for me of trying to still figure that out. And of course, like any, you know, rebellious teenager, just kind of figuring stuff out and you, you push your limits as much as you can. And my parents don't, don't play that. So mm-hmm. I pushed and I, they got the push right back and they're like, okay, well, <laughs> you're going to figure it out. And, you know, it's that kind of, um, it's that kind of resilience that I say literally is just in my DNA. It is mm-hmm. just a part of who I am. Um, failure is just not an option. I, I don't have any influences around me that thought that made any type of perception that it was not okay to make something of myself, whatever Mm -hmm. that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it just, it it was not an option to just sit back and say like, now this is your life. You had a kid, your life is over. Like, no, that, that was Mm -hmm. not, that was not it for me at all. Wow. What a blessing that was. I mean, because like I said, there were so many of my former students that they'd be in school one day and I found out that, you know, their family found out that they were pregnant and it was like, all of a sudden I didn't see them anymore. And, you know, you always wonder what, what happened. And then you find, you hear little things. And the main thing that you hear about is that the, the family was not supportive. The family was not happy and they shipped the kid off to someplace, you know, another relative or some other place. And, uh, it, it, it broke my heart. It really did. So uh, I'm so happy to hear that it, it, you had, you had an opposite, uh, experience with that. So that's wonderful. Yeah. And I even had the, you know, my, I still very good at school, um, got accepted to the colleges I wanted to go to. My family was very supportive, like, yeah, go get your education. But again, I'm 17 at this point. I'm like, oh no, I want to be a mom. I want to stay here. So I ended up going to community college, which, you know, not a bad thing, but it's Mm -hmm. very much so like 13th grade when you go Mm -hmm. to a community college in your area, because it's literally everybody that you were just in high school with. And now Mm -hmm. you just 
have a school schedule, but like no accountability. Your professor right. is not going to call your teacher when you don't come to class. Like that's they, just they, they don't care if you show works. up or, or not. They're getting paid whether you're there or not. A thousand percent. And I figured <laughs> that out real quick. Like, oh, I probably shouldn't have signed up for classes that were at seven and eight a.m. like Monday, <laughs> Wednesday, Friday. Like that's not. So I got really, really into, you know, I continued to be good at school. I worked and I was going to school because I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. Like that was my my dream from being a little kid, um, hence being very easy for me to do podcasts now. Um, but I started, you know, as I'm studying journalism, um, I've always been a writer naturally, like I enjoy it and I'm really good at it. So it made sense. And I didn't have like little dreams. I like, I want to be on CNN. Like I didn't want to be on my local news. If you're you know, going to go for it, go for it. I'm going like all the way. So <laughs> I literally, I, as I'm looking at what the trajectory, like now it's real, it's in front of me. Like I'm in journalism one-on-one. And of course, you know, your professor's been in the field for 20, 30 years and the more I started to learn uh, about like the ugly side, I guess, that I had no idea existed, mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't really, like, I have a kid. I can't have a life where I'm like on call trying to get a breaking story, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Like mm -hmm. that, that's not going to work. So my grandmother is a nurse and my grandmother has been a nurse like since I, since before I was born. Um, so I started to like have the conversation about, well, you know, what can I do that'll be helpful that, you know, I can have, you know, decent pay, decent benefits and like have a life. I wasn't, I was never, you know, even when I was working in McDonald's, I was at 15 and 16. I was like, how can I become the manager? How can I own a McDonald's? So like, I never, I was never content with where I was. Um, so I ended up going to my guidance counselor, telling them that I wanted to go to, you know, become a nurse. They're like, okay, cool. It's going to take you like four years. I'm like, wait, this is a two-year community college. Like that doesn't even make sense. They're like, well, your prereqs. I had no idea how hard it was to get into nursing school. Mm -hmm. um, um, so long story short, I ended up leaving, um, withdrawing from community college and I went to LPN school, which on the West coast is LVN on the mm. East coast, it's LPN. Okay. Um, and you know, I ended up, I, I always managed to like, figure it out. Like, that's another thing about me that is like, if there's a situation, if there's a problem, whether it's mine or yours, I can figure it out. So mm -hmm. um, I did end up going to nursing school. I was actually the youngest in my nursing school class. And um, by that time I had had my daughter and I found out I was pregnant with my son uh, when I was already accepted into nursing school. Mm. And I, so I completed by the time I graduated nursing school, I was like seven months pregnant. Wow. So, like I graduated in June and he was born in August. So like that's oh. how close it was. <laughs> and here we are another time where there's women that got pregnant and they're like, oh, we're going to, you know, I'm going to stop and I'll come back. And for me, I'm like, I've, I've given up everything to be, you know, mm -hmm. I saw very quickly, I couldn't work full time and, and do nursing school. Like you just, if you can do that, like my hats are off to you. Cause I couldn't do it. Had mm -hmm. two small children at home, working school, studying, and you have certain, there's certain tests um, or certain places in nursing school where like, if you don't get a certain grade on that test, you are out and there is right. nothing to talk about. Like you get less than an 85 on, you know, pharmacology, for example, you, you're done. So mm -hmm. like 
failure again was just not an option. So I'm like, well, me coming back or trying to come back and fight for my spot again didn't add up with my, you know, trajectory of what I was trying to do. So I did. I finished. Um, I managed to finish um, nursing school and um, good for you. Had my son in August, and I have literally. He just turned fifteen. And I, uh, I've been in healthcare ever since I was actually, when I had to do a bio for something, I'm like, I can't believe I've been a nurse for 14 years. Like it doesn't mm. even, it seems like it was just yesterday, um, mm -hmm. that I was figuring this healthcare thing out and that's where I've been ever since. And are you part of par private practice? Or are you at a hospital or what area in nursing are you involved in? The two areas that I've mainly been involved in are home care and reproductive health care. So mm -hmm. I have I, my, my career is pretty split between the two of um, working for a really large reproductive health care organization and home care. And now I'm back in reproductive health, which I I love my job. I love what I do. Um, most more than half of the, those 14 years of nursing have been in uh, management and leadership. And again, you know, I literally started off as a home care scheduler. And before I left that job, I had worked my way up to becoming the assistant director. Like I could tell you the numbers of the regs for the, you, why you can't do this, why you can't do that. That's the type of worker that I am of like, I've, I was never the person that just show up and do my job and go home. I mm -hmm. have always been, you know, an above and beyond. I would go home and read the handbook and figure out what my boss's job is and then start having the conversation with my boss of like, hey, I really like you, but one day I would love to know like, what do I need to know and what do I need to learn to be eligible to apply for your job when you move up? So mm -hmm. I always had those really um, open conversations uh, to let, you know, my, let my employer know even now, I love what I do right now, but I don't want to be doing the same job in five years. Like that right. has never um, aligned with me. So every that I stayed at that job for about four and a half years. And then every about two or three years or so, I, I learn all I can learn. And depending on where you are in healthcare, sometimes you just hit that, that glass ceiling. And I'm like, if I can't grow, I can't go. So I, yeah. I will find something else that, you know, and I'm always been that person in interviews too. Like, yes, I'm interviewing for this job today, but you might be seeing my resume for something else in a couple of years, mm -hmm. depending on how it goes, because it's healthcare mm -hmm. and it's crazy. So mm -hmm. um, that does keep me going though. I know that we're, you know, I know that the work that I do makes a tremendous impact in people's lives. And that that is the fulfilling part that being in healthcare has always been more than the paycheck for me. Right. Well, I know with myself, even though I was in education for over 35 years, uh, you do become, or at least for me, I mean, and there's many of my closest friends that they stayed at the same school at the same grade level for all 30, 40 years of their career and amen and God bless them. For me, it was almost like about every five years, I knew that I needed to do something a little bit different. I was still teaching, but it may have been at a different site. It may have been a different or teaching a different subject, but I completely understand what you're saying because I did not want to become stagnant because mm -hmm. I knew that if I did that, in a sense, I felt like I was going to be hurting my students because if I wasn't enthusiastic about what I'm doing, then I'm not going to be my best, best teaching self exactly. and they deserve to have the very best. So by me doing that, I felt like I was staying at my best uh, to help them 
the best way that I possibly could. So I completely get what, what you just said. I understand it. I, yeah, and I didn't understand that about myself at the time, but I, exactly what she said. If, if you, you know, you can tell the teachers and, and the nurses, you can, it happens in healthcare. It happens everywhere. You can tell the people that just show up because it's their job and mm-hmm. versus the people that actually want to be there. Now, do most people want to genuinely work? Absolutely not. We all wish we could just right. collect a paycheck and be out living our best lives. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if I have to do this to provide for my family, the least I can do is find my joy in it. Mm-hmm. And my joy came in, you know, doing things that had never been been done. I started a teen clinic um, in, mm. when I was working in Western New York for uh, walk-ins. I literally, I hate data, um, but now I love and appreciate data. But I literally dug in there doing something that had never been done and proved the business case of here's the STI and teen pregnancy rates in this zip code where our clinic is located. And here's the, here's the demographics of what our patients look like. And it was literally like less than 10, like less Mm. than 10 people of the, from 12 to 19 that were seeking our services. And we're literally like walking distance from two schools. So Mm. I'm like, this, this is not okay. Again, that, that drive of me being a teen mom, I didn't even know, I didn't, I I had no vocabulary to even know how to um, prevent pregnancy or anything at that time in my life. So my biggest piece became the advocacy and making the resources known and available and really working to destigmatize, you know, people seeking birth control. Like if people want to have the conversation, it should be their individual decision. And that's Mm -hmm. just my personal opinion and why I stand for what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, if you don't believe in a certain aspect of reproductive health care, cool. Don't, don't do it for you, Mm -hmm. but don't tell me what to do. So um, I, you know, got it, it, that particular, you know, launching that teen clinic helped me learn data. It helped me learn multiple department, uh, cross department cross de- cross departmental um collaboration because I had to get money for this so I had mm-hmm. to figure out how to present this to the finance people that don't like they're so disconnected um connected to the mission but like I'm asking for a lot of money to do this I got marketing I did we did radio commercials like we did a full campaign to launch this clinic and I had never I, I was like 25 26 at the time like wow. And I pulled it off. And like just this past week, the memories have been popping up in my Facebook. And I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it has been that many years ago. Um, and a lot of the people that helped me, you know, it had never been done. So that started to become my edge of like doing things that were super impactful and meaningful on like a way bigger than me scale. That was not Mm -hmm. even for me to get the accolades and add it to my resume. I'm like, this is something that this neighborhood, this zip code needs. Mm -hmm. How can I fill that gap? Like I'm here. I have way too much. I know too much to do nothing with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the kind of stuff that, you know, really inspires me and ignited me. It didn't feel like I was working 10, 12 hour days when I was because I was loving figuring out all the little pieces. Mm -hmm. And of course I made mistakes, but I had such an amazing, you know, team of people that, you know, my marketing person would come in and be like, that font is not uh, approved. And I'm like, what? It's a font. That's the wrong shade of blue. Oh my gosh. So now when I'm doing stuff, I'm like, do you have a brand kit? 
like I just know to ask this stuff and they're like mm -hmm. well they're like you're a nurse how do you know that I'm like just do you have a brand kit if not you should get one because then we have consistency so mm -hmm. little stuff um and then I worked in call centers for years before I even um got into nursing school so um it's very interesting how I've basically pulled together you know all the customer service, the the thing. I used to sell computers for a period of time. I don't, I still don't know squat about computers, but I sold them. <laughs> um, like I can learn anything that I put, like anything that's put in front of me, if I'm interested in learning it, I can learn it. And mm -hmm. if I learn it, I can do something with it. And I have figured that to be my edge and many different roles in making the world a better place. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to go back just for uh, a moment on what you just said about the teen clinic and being that, you know, the, the high schools and stuff are right there and you knew that there needed to be a connection. It reminded me of um, when my sister was pregnant with her first baby. And during those days, you could actually have somebody come in and, and video record the birth. So she asked me if I would do that. And at the time I was teaching eighth graders and uh, so I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And um, so I'm videotaping. And as this whole thing is happening, I'm thinking about the conversation that I hear these eighth graders talking about because they think that having a baby is like having a baby doll. You know, it's all going to be <laughs> rainbows and sunshine and, and unicorns. And here I am in this delivery room videotaping this birth and I'm seeing what reality is. And what's playing in my mind is I'm thinking, I wonder if I'd get fired if I showed this video to all these eighth grade girls at this school, because this is part of the reality of what happens. And I knew and that never happened, but that was going through my mind because I thought this is, this is, this is real life. This is the real thing. And then uh, many years after that, a couple of years before I retired, uh, the state of California had passed a thing that all freshmen in high school had to have the sex education course, but it was a specific course. So, of course, my administration comes to me and says, Patty, we would like you to teach this course to our freshmen. And first of all, I was kind of surprised by that. I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I taught it for three years. In that three years, I never had one parent complain phone call. I never had one kid that wanted to leave because I was telling them, I, I taught the course. I wasn't teaching anything outside of the course, but I wasn't afraid to say the proper words. And I wasn't afraid to give them the truth because some of them thought that you could get pregnant by sitting on a toilet seat or mm -hmm. drinking out of a, a fountain, all, all of these little things. They truly believe this and they're getting the information where from their friends, the back of the school what, bus. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And and it was one of the most impactful things that I ever got to teach because those kids wanted the truth. They wanted to hear exactly what happens when you do X, Y, Z or whatever. So by you taking the initiative at 25 years old because of your experiences and wanting to make a difference, I commend you highly for doing that because Kids need real talk and real conversation. And unfortunately, they're not getting it at home. And I felt like a lot of the parents at my school, they had difficulty having that conversation and they were glad that I was doing it. Because they all had I, to sign a paper for permission, 
but I never had any problems whatsoever. And I'll say that now as a parent and and even then it didn't change. Like you don't want to have that. It's a, that's a hard conversation. I mean, like back in the day, it's like the birds and the bees, but like, there's so much more than the birds and the bees mm-hmm. like now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I brought my kids to my job and I had my coworkers have the talk with them. And like, mm-hmm. I, now I can talk to my kids about it now because they're older and they, you know, they call me when their friend has a question or an issue and they're like, mom, can this and I'm like yes my kids actually um my oldest ended up working um as a peer educator um for my organization Um, we had a teen program that allowed them to you know actually work and get paid and she got the same STI and birth control education that I did um Mm -hmm. so having that like having people that are teens and same thing when I was launching the teen clinic I was talking to my kids like do do these graphics, you know, we did focus groups, do these graphics mm-hmm. draw you because now we're old, quote unquote, like mm-hmm. we're the old people trying to talk to the youngins. Mm-hmm. So even though I wasn't that old, um, it, it was just a real full circle moment to real be to be able to pull that off and literally just create access so people can get education to protect themselves and make the best decisions for them. Again, like I said, I went to Catholic school for a, a period of time and um, I'm not Catholic. I'm, I'm Christian, but I do, um, you know, in, in Catholic school, the health class was not uh, really aligned. I think that's the most polite way to say it. It wasn't mm-hmm. really aligned with um other happenings and beliefs outside of Catholicism. So as a reality. Yeah. Thank you for saying it. I'm like trying to figure out how, like, how do I not piss off the world? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, I do, I fully believe in God and every, every um, you know, I honor people's choice in religion and, and everything else, but um, it was definitely uh, a, a perplexing issue because it's funny. I'm seeing my my friend, some friends that I'm still in touch with from those days that are just now getting married and just mm. now having kids. And I'm like, my youngest is 12, dude. I'm done. I'm not condoning. Shop is closed. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not condoning teen pregnancy or anything. Like it happens. It it you're. I'm just here to be living proof that your life is not over. You still have choices you can still go and do and be whatever you want to be it is not you know 50 60 70 years ago where it is just an automatic sentence that your fate Mm -hmm. is forever Mm -hmm. changed I think my kids you know again continue to reinstill that drive in me like they didn't need to grow up any less than their friends because they had a teen parent Mm -hmm. that's not their you know so I've I worked so hard to just keep it all, you know, keep it all together and, and make sure that they had decent childhoods because, you know, that's another part of the statistic and everything about me having, you know, being a a young woman of color and having a kid at 15 and another one at 19, I was just checking all the boxes to be a statistic and and never essentially be anything in my life. So I'm living proof that that is not, that's, that's just not reality. So knowing that your oldest is 21 and your youngest is 12, uh, when, especially now that this, this, your youngest is, is getting into teenhood and your others already are either in it or past it, have you found, or did you find that when they were getting to be the same age as you, that you 
you were concerned about them falling into the same thing that you did at that age? Oh, 100%. Like my whole, <laughs> I, I would never say I didn't focus on grades, like they didn't matter. But my my internal goal that I never voiced was like, oh, please graduate and don't have a baby. Because like, I just, just turned 37, even though like people can't even believe that I'm 37. I'm like, I just turned 37. But um, because people look at me and they're like, oh my God, or they look at me and my daughter and my daughter, my kids, all of them are taller than me now. Um, So they think they're like, oh, I thought that was your sister. And I'm like, no, that's my child. Um, (laughs) You know, internally, my whole, you know, thing was like, I am not ready to be a grandma. Like now I see what my mom felt of like, I can't be a grandma (laughs) at 32. What? Like, this isn't okay. So um, yeah. Yeah, my, you know, my, my oldest is 21. My, my next one is uh, my next daughter is 17 and they have, I feel proper information. I would support them no matter what, but you know, we, we have one graduated that did not become a teen mom. And again, Mm -hmm. she's 21. We have 17 and 15. So it also is proof that just because you as the mom or the dad had a child as a teenager, it is not an automatic sentence for your kids. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just not like, yes, they're going to, kids are going to make mistakes and make their choices, but I feel so much better and confident that my kids have a real, um, solid understanding of real world. And things are much different now than when I was in high school, we didn't have mm-hmm. Facebook and, and, uh, Instagram and and the the, mm-hmm. the level of access that's at their fingertips you had to right. write a note and you had to talk about somebody on like write it on the bathroom stall like you couldn't <laughs> now which makes it sound like archaic but like right. I'm coming up on being 20 years out of high school almost so mm-hmm. um things have changed significantly the amount the access that the kids have these days so it's I feel more um dedicated to having real authentic conversations, even if they make my stomach hurt, even Mm -hmm. if dad is like, oh, do we really have to talk about the fact that she's developing? And like, yeah, like it's, (laughs) it's like, it's life. And I'd rather them hear the straight up version from me as, as a professional and a mom, Mm -hmm. than learn it on the back of the school bus. Like I did. Because mm-hmm. your friends is not gonna, they, they don't know, they telling you what they saw or what they watched or what they heard. So I, my kids, I feel really confident that they know how to, they have discernment that I didn't have mm-hmm. um, at that, at those ages, which is, which is pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact is, you, you know, they really do want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And even though they ask embarrassed and they giggle and all that kind of stuff, they're taking in what you're saying and they're taking in what they're observing you doing in when it comes to that area also. And the thing and I'm I the think- resource for them and their friends too. their friends See? will come to them and be like, can, can you ask your mom? And, and of course, the first thing I say is, have you told your friend they need to talk to their mom? Like, have mm-hmm. they, they need to tell, they need to ask for help. And I know that's hard, but like, I'm, I'm kind of like, even to this day, my 21 and 17 year old will hit me up with the most random. And I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, well, yeah. Okay. So this is what they need to do. This is what they need to ask for. This is like, so it's, it's a very, it's not as uncomfortable as it was, you know, Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Um, For me, it has, it has grown, but yeah, like now I'm just kind of, I've become that, you know, resource. And even for my, my friends that are adults that have children, similar Mm -hmm. ages, they're like, Hey, I think this is our, or this happened. What do I do? Cause Uh you, when, when you're a parent, 
something disconnects when it when it's your kid and and you're like you just go into mommy bear mo- mode you don't think about you know you know the answers but mm-hmm. you're like I, I need maybe I need somebody else to say it to me mm-hmm. and, and be real with me so it's it's been cool but yeah I get I probably still get a few of those text messages or inboxes a week that's like what what do I do with this and I'm like mm-hmm. here let me send you a voice note <laughs> Because I would have uh, some kids that that either came to our school uh, and did not get my my sex ed course, and uh, the the freshmen would be talking with their friends that were either sophomores or juniors or even some seniors, and I would always have my classroom open during lunchtime, and I would see my student come in with some of these other kids, and they and they go. Hey, this is Miss Doolin. It's okay. Ask your question. She'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, I, I took that as such a high honor that they would do that because I could tell that I had definitely built their trust and they knew I was going to be honest. And if for whatever reason, I didn't know the answer, we'll they find knew it. I would find it. And I would, the next day I would be ready to give them the true, honest answer about it. hundred percent. So. And that's, that it literally is, is, that's something about me that's always been that way. I, I don't pretend to know everything. I know a lot about a, a lot of different things, but like, if I don't know, I am totally comfortable to say, I don't know. That's a good question, but I probably know somebody that does mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. I'll never just leave you hanging. That's, that's right. the, that's the, you know, I like to close the loop per se. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the other thing with your children, what's so great is because you really have been a, uh, a, an excellent model of just because this was your circumstance, you did not let that stop you from pursuing a better life, not only for your child, but mainly for yourself. And what an example to give your children that if, you know, no matter what the challenge, the obstacle, yes, there's a, you can have your pity party, you can get upset, you can be mad, but that's not going to get you anywhere just to stay in that, that mode. So by you showing the example that, you know, I did this next, I did this next. I mean, what a, what a terrific example for your children. The shift that has happened in my life the last few years that I didn't even realize is that I was so dang resilient, so focused on achieving goals, so focused on, on what's next, what's next is I never stopped to honor my feelings. Mm. Um, so now that I'm doing that and, um, you know, like I was a person, if you saw me crying, I was really, really angry or somebody died there, mm. there, there, what, there's no, um, in between. And, and a couple of my kids are very much like me and are very just like straight up and, you know, would appear because I was born with RBF. Um, but like they would appear to just be unbothered <laughs> with anything. And then a couple of my kids are like super sensitive and I've never known what to do with them because mm-hmm. they're like, mommy, can I hug you? And I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what do you want? Um, like, I'm just not, that's just not me. And mm-hmm. um, so having like this mix of emotional and non-emotional children, um, in my own journey, like now where I am encouraging them, you know, I've always, we've always kind of like had family dinners and like, how was your day? But, um, you know, really listening to them because school, like I would, I'm so glad I'm, I'm the age I am now, because I don't know if I would survive school now. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it is cutthroat and you see so much like 
mental health happening earlier and earlier, um, like crisis situations happening right. early and earlier for our kids and, yeah. you know, the bullying and cyber bullying. And like, it, it's just, you know, creating a safe space for my kids to come home and say, you know, so-and-so made me feel X, Y, Z and honoring that has become mm -hmm. really, you know, instead of old me would have been like, you know, suck it up. It'll be fine. You know, mm -hmm. it's just words. Words hurt a lot more than, mm -hmm. than a, you know, a physical fight, you know, yeah. the, the, the black eye will go away. Those words will pop back up when you're, you know, at the beach on a Saturday, having a beautiful day, those words will creep right back in. So, um, I've been consciously making an effort to, you know, really open the door for those kind of conversations mm -hmm. and not having them feel like, um, cause I have to work with myself on this. Like, I don't have to, ha I, I would, when I started learning how to feel my feelings, like as an adult, I was like, you know, I would try to rationalize, like, why, do, why am I feeling like this? And what are, what is causing it? You don't have to do that. Like you can feel happy and sad at the same time not know why and it mm -hmm. is okay and it is valid and mm -hmm. I have as I give myself more grace with that um, I continue to try to do that for them as well mm -hmm. and the thing about the words uh, hurting more than a punch uh, is so true I know that one of the one of the lessons that always seemed to um, shine brightest with my students I would always say you know think before you speak but I would give them a tube of uh, toothpaste and I had a plate and I'd ask them, get all the toothpaste out of this tube, get all of it out there onto the plate. And then I would hand them a toothpick and I'd sell, tell them, all right, I want you to put all that toothpaste back into the tube with the, with the toothpick. And, the, and so they'd try it and they go, Mr. We can't get this in there. I go, that toothpaste represents the words that you speak. Once they come out of your mouth, they can never go back in. That's why I'm telling you, think before you speak, because just like you said, you can think that you have dealt with something that somebody told you, but you may forgive them, but you'll never forget those words that came out of their mouth. And it can continue to hurt for a very long time. And I've learned, like, honestly, super recently, like, literally in the last year that, you know, the forgiveness is really for me. You know, right. us walking around as adults harboring resentments from last week, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it it continues to occupy space mm -hmm. in in your energy that, um, you know, it's it's they, they, when that saying of people renting space in your head for free. Mm -hmm. When I learned how to genuinely, truly from the bottom of my my heart and soul, just forgive and, you know, whatever the situation was. I've, I've, I've just grown. So I've grown more in the last, you know, two years than I have in probably the last 10. And even though mm -hmm. I, on the outside, everything, you know, I was climbing, I was getting better jobs, making better money, like living a better, more comfortable life. Um, I was so, so disconnected from myself and I mm -hmm. didn't even realize it. And that's, that is where, um, you know, the passion to like really, take the world by the by the horns and start my company and really figure out you know I know we were chatting a little before but like what did God call me here to do and mm -hmm. stepping into that purpose and alignment without fear knowing that he wants more for me even if it sounds or feels really scary right now mm -hmm. his will for me is is 
grander than anything I can come up with for myself. And I'm a big thinker, but yes. I'm not a bigger thinker than him. So right. surrendering and, you know, starting my company, putting myself out here, having these kind of conversations where, you know, we could, there could be 50 listeners, there could be 5 million listeners. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just learning how to show up as me and knowing that I'm already enough. Um, mm -hmm. That was something that I struggled with internally forever of, you know, just, I needed, I needed to, I needed to do more. I needed to learn more. I needed to get another certification. Like I had to shorten my resume. My resume was like four pages long. And I'm like, I'm not even old enough to have a resume that long. Like <laughs> I, I, the amount of things that I've like piled in to try to fill me up and, and make me, you know, essentially valid in, in, in the world and, and mostly in like the workplace, um, I wasn't taking care of me, um, right. in with that. So now that really fuels my, um, my passion and, and what, you know, the reason for starting my company, the reason for putting myself out there so other people can see themselves in, in pieces of my story and, and see what is possible. I'm not a millionaire yet. I'm not, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff that I still want to do and things I want to accomplish, but I'm doing it from a more centered and grounded intentional space. And it's not just about another check in the box finally. Mm -hmm. And so since you've mentioned about your company, this would be an excellent time for you to uh, tell our audience about your company, what it is and what you do. So in my company, um, I, my daughter, my youngest, my 12 year old actually helped me name it. Um, it's Metanoia Innovative Solutions and Meta Metanoia actually stands for the, the meaning of the word is transformative change of heart. Um, I offer transformational life coaching as well as breath work and theta healing. And, um, I will be, I'm on my journey to become a Reiki master as well. Um, I had a lot to work through and still working through it. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I will never be a person that acts like I don't have thoughts that creep in my head that creep me out and I don't know what to do with, um, but I breath work changed my life of making me feel my feelings and process my feelings and feel safe in my body. Mm -hmm. um, so I have found these methods um, incredibly powerful and transformational in my life. And I then felt, you know, the call to basically add it to my line of services. So it's available within my coaching program. But then if people are, you know, interested in just breath work or just theta healing, they could book me for those. And the other like underlying piece of my reason, my why is I want to see more diversity in coaching and healing. I want to, you know, be available and accessible and not have it continue, not have coaching and healing be these lofty things that are just out there in the world that, you know, another young Black woman feels like she can't even access those services. No one ever told me when I was climbing through the career, like, hey, have you thought about getting a career coach? There's mm -hmm. a coach for anything you could possibly think of. There's somebody that's coaching people on it. And I'm not like a super fan of the term life coach, but essentially that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, received training and I continue to engage in all of these, you know, modalities on a regular basis myself. I don't think that I can take anywhere 
um, take anyone anywhere that I haven't been. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a constant student as much as I'm a teacher um, in, in doing my own work so that I can better and more safely hold people in their times that they need to be held. And, you know, just really, I want this stuff to be normal. I want it to be really more mainstream. And mm -hmm. I, my dream is that, you know, my kids won't be fighting in the same way that I am to, you know, exist and access um, these services that can really be, you know, transformational. Breath work is like, I'm not, I would never tell anybody to stop seeing their therapist or psychiatrist or stop their medications. Um, that's the, the nurse part of me will not allow that um, and the ethical part of me, but I personally have been able to um, reduce the amount of medications that I personally take and um, just really improve the quality of my life, my quality of sleep. Sleep is so, so important. Um, just so many things have happened like from the soul out um, that have allowed me to you know, have the capacity to start this new endeavor at this point in my life, um, knowing that eventually I want to step into that on a full-time basis. Can you ex explain a little bit more for our audience uh, what breath work is and, and, and what you kind of do in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am trained in what is most commonly known as uh, pranayama. It's completely, you know, there's no added substances there, especially in, in California, I feel the need to say that um, because there's a lot of micro dosing and um, the way that I experience breath work and the way that I facilitate, um, it's a, you can call it a two or three part breath, but you take a deep breath in literally, you know, from the belly to the chest and out through your mouth, everything is through the mouth because you want to bypass the brain. Mm. And um, I, depending, you know, you can book 30 minute sessions, hour sessions, some can go as long as 90 minutes. Um, that flow of oxygen into your body literally starts to not only move energy, but break up and, and dissipate, you know, trauma. We, we carry mm. trauma uh, what, whether it's big T or little T trauma, you know, we all have it and mm -hmm. it allows you to, you know, and I say safely process and, and get the stuff out of your body, physically feeling better, physically feeling safe in your body. Um, now the first time, you know, you experience breath work, it can be a little scary. Um, but you can have, you know, tingling in your, in your lips, your face, your hands mm. can cramp up. Um, so there can be some physical reactions. It all goes away. It is not permanent. Like mm -hmm. it's just your breath. You're, so that's why I say you're not adding in anything else but the experience. Like you've been breathing your whole life. You cannot do it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it's super powerful. I Like I said, for myself, I personally continue. I have a regular um, practice that I, you know, go to someone to facilitate for me on a regular basis um, so that I can keep, you know, you don't do one breathwork session and all is healed and everything mm -hmm. is good in the world. So mm -hmm. um, it's been incredibly transformative. And I literally have a reminder on my calendar that every three hours goes and says, pause and take three deep breaths. So you don't have to oh go into a full, you know, breathwork session to get the benefits of breathwork. And I can absolutely, you know, show people how to, if they're interested in start incorporating it, you know, in their daily life, um, when you're busy and you're running your kids around and your spouse and, you know, we're 
busy people. Right. Um, that's just the neighbor, the nature of what we do, but um, really inviting people back into themselves. And like, obviously we're physically in our bodies, but usually mentally, spiritually, emotionally, we're just not like there's mm -hmm. th this world is so crazy. Um, the other really, really powerful thing um, with breathwork is tapping into your subconscious. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely love the quote from Carl Jung is like, uh, I, I'll, I never say it correctly, but basically until you bring the, your, the subconscious conscious, it'll rule your life and you'll call it fate. Um, it's, it, it's so true. Like our subconscious scientists state between 90 to 95%, essentially more than half of your brain is your subconscious. That's what allows us to function as humans. Cause if we, actually consumed all of the things that are happening around us, we would not be able to function as humans. Mm -hmm. um, so tapping into the subconscious, tapping into what's what's underneath the surface of that iceberg, basically, mm -hmm. um, bringing that to your conscious, and then you can have the awareness to work on it and fix it if you want to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, and some people will call that shadow work um, that however, however you want to, you know, the language for me isn't as important because shadow work can absolutely be a turnoff. Um, but you have to look at the, the, the not so nice parts of yourself um, in order to heal them. You have to be willing to work on them. And if you're not, then, you know, you're going to keep creating the, the you're going to keep creating your reality that that you exist in every day. Hmm. Now, uh, I'm not going to say it right, but you also mentioned that you work when you're working with people, uh, theta, what, what theta was healing. that? Theta healing. What, what is that? So the theta healing is um, this incredible, it's essentially a meditation uh, method that was created by Viana uh, Stiebel. Um, I believe the year was 1995. So it's fairly new, whereas Reiki, you know, has been around for ever. Mm -hmm. um, thousands of years. So um, this is a method that I've been taught. Essentially, I, as the practitioner, go into a meditative state, into the theta state, the theta mm -hmm. brainwave. Mm -hmm. And um, I call him God. Some people call him source, creator, whatever. And um, you can receive really transformational healing, digging into the beliefs. Um, we don't realize how much uh, again, I'll say trauma, but our, a lot of our limiting and negative beliefs can literally make you physically ill. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to go in and have that, you know, session with a person to heal, you know, say they're having issues with money. There might be a deep-rooted poverty mindset that is beyond, that is in their ancestry, that is in their DNA. Okay. Um, being myself in the Theta, um, I'm not doing the healing. I'm asking for the healing on behalf of uh, that person. Mm -hmm. And um, so being connected to God in that way to provide um, the healing. So I'm really more of a, I would call it more of an intermediary. I can't, I would mm -hmm. never take um, credit to say like, I am the healer, I'm mm -hmm. doing it, but um, it's super, super powerful. And I being, I, I also study astrology and human design and me being the Virgo that I am, mm -hmm. I, I want to see proof and I've experienced it. And um, when I started experiencing it and in the most subtle ways, seeing changes in, in my family and friends, like how impactful resolving and healing some things that are in, in you that you may not have a clue about, but things that can come out in that, um, in that 
theta session mm -hmm. um, that you just, you know, we, again, to function, we have to, there are some things that we've buried to, to keep moving. So to unearth that from the foundational piece of where it originated and heal that there will just massive transformation. Um, so that is why I include it in my um, coaching programs, because my thought is I want the coaching to stick. I want mm -hmm. people to work with me and continue to have this, you know, understanding about themselves and this empowerment. And yes, I would love repeat clients, but like, I absolutely want you to go off and be great by yourself and not necessarily need me by your side as, as your coach or mentor. Um, however you look at that relationship, but, um, yeah, super, super, uh, powerful, pretty fairly new when it comes to healing modalities, but, um, mm -hmm. super powerful. Well, and what sounds wonderful about what you're doing is you are helping people to move forward, but teaching people that you cannot move forward and be successful if you haven't dealt with past traumas or past issues and that sort of thing. So it's like cleaning that up. So that way you have a clear path ahead of you and therefore you're going to be more successful moving forward. So. And yeah, you can, and you absolutely can move forward without it. But I think we see nowadays, you know, people that have what we would, what we normal people think are everything, you know, more celebrities committing suicide than, than anything. And these are people mm -hmm. we look up to and people mm -hmm. we admire and idolize like, oh my gosh, they have so much money and so much power and what could possibly be wrong? Right. I would never, you know, again, like I, I don't even pretend to um, speak on on such a, you know, just and it's such a harmful uh, topic because it's it's harmful to the person experiencing it and it's harmful to everyone around them. Um, but yeah, like if you don't, you can't really, you can manifest on a bad foundation, but why would you, would you want to build a house on, you know, a, a rocky foundation mm -hmm. or what do you want it to be solid? So right. the way that I look at it and the way that it, it works in my life is yes, looking backward to go forward. And as I go forward, I can actually stay there hopefully and, mm -hmm. and hold it because I'm clearing out energetically mm -hmm. stuff that will, will creep up because again, it's the subconscious. It's working for us when we're not, it's working when we're sleeping, it's working all the time. So being able to clear that stuff up and really go forward and stay propelling mm -hmm. forward versus, you know, getting, accomplishing something. And then like, you take this, this dip, this, mm -hmm. so that's my thought process and like really continuing, really shifting, like let's pivot, let's stop, let's heal. Now we go forward. I like how you said, and then that way it really sticks what, what you, you have helped them to, to, uh, to learn through the process. Um, do you, when you do the breathing and, and all of that stuff, is it all individual or do you work with groups of people? Um, breath work can definitely, um, be, so everything can be virtual energy has no, there's no, uh, like time as a human societal const construct anyway, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Mm -hmm. Um, but it can be done virtual and in person, um, breath work can absolutely be done in a group setting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, theta healing can as well. Um, it, it is definitely more powerful one-on-one -on -one because, mm -hmm. 
all of the attention, all of the energy is focused on you versus mm -hmm. if you're facilitating for, you know, even if it's three, five or, you know, 15, 20 people, mm -hmm. the, the practitioner, the facilitator has to, you know, pay attention. Nobody is any, any more or less important right. um, in, in that setting. So there's power in both, you know, there, there's okay. power in the group healing because you might hear something that someone else says that triggers you and, and triggers, you know, can be triggers can be good and triggers cannot be good. Right. Um, but you could hear something that touches you to, and it, and it brings up something in you. So I think there's power in, in both ways, both group okay. and individual. Excellent. So what would you say is the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? To shut up and listen. <laughs> Super simple. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing, uh, philosophical there. Um, and it, it's funny because it, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've, I've had this conversation this week of like, what is advice you would give to your younger self? And it would be, it would really be to listen, to understand and not listen to respond. And I mm. listened to respond for decades. Mm -hmm. um, I always needed to be ahead and ready for the next thing that I didn't really process, you know, some of the the jewels and gems that were being given to me, I didn't, I didn't know how to slow down and, and hear them, like mm -hmm. actually hear them. Mm -hmm. Excellent words of advice. Um, what would you say that you are passionate about personally and professionally? Um, personally and professionally, I am really passionate about making an impact and, and changing the world for the better. There are so many people out there that really, you know, need to go inward instead of outward. And mm -hmm. I hope that, you know, both in my full-time capacity and my personal capacity and the capacity as an entrepreneur that uh, people start to want to do the work because they, you have to want it. Everybody has free will. So it does not matter what you know, is being done on your behalf, you also have to want it and making it accessible and available and people to even have the awareness of like, oh, wait, I, I have trauma. I thought I didn't have trauma. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Like I thought, well, I didn't, you know, none of this stuff happened to me. But again, you know, I said earlier, there's big T and little T. Everybody has trauma and trauma mm -hmm. is not this bad, dirty, scary word. It is a fact of human life. Like it mm -hmm. happens. So really, you know, the diversity, the inclusion, making sure that no matter what your ethnicity is, what your gender identity is, what your trauma is, that you, all of you, all parts of you are welcome. And I, mm -hmm. and I honor people as people, whatever that looks like. Um, that's really what I live by. Awesome. So what is your purpose personally and professionally? We're still figuring out my purpose. I, I know that um, I am, I know that I'm, I'm special and I think that everyone is special, but I know that there is a, a, a calling um, on my life and I am showing up every day um, really doing my own work to figure out exactly what that is. But I do feel that, you know, the coaching, the, the healing modalities that I've learned, 
Um, I have been writing again, getting back into like my joy, um, speaking, you know, doing this kind of work with um, podcasts. I really see myself as a change maker um, mm -hmm. in, in this world that I, I anticipate that the work that I do, the impact that I make will live on well beyond me. Awesome. So what would you say is your superpower? My superpower is I am like super relatable and I didn't even think that it was a superpower, but um, not everybody can have a connection with most people and, and I can, and mm -hmm. I, I, I can, I, you know, I can talk to somebody that has a completely different view or, you know, just stuff that I don't even agree with personally. And I can treat that person with respect and usually, you know, end that conversation very well and that we respect what we bring to the table, agree to disagree. Um, so I think that relatability is like super underrated. So I will say that that is my super, that is my superpower. Awesome. Um, how would you say that you're living your best life or as I say, living your best dash? Man, being being open, surrendering, finally, finally, like stating out loud on paper in all of the ways that God is the head of my life. And without him, I would not I would not be here because I have absolutely, you know, gone through things that could have easily ended my life or, you know, I, I could be in a mental institution, in jail, anywhere but mm -hmm. here. And mm -hmm. um, the willingness to be open and experience life has really changed me. And the fact that I focus more on being present and not just trying to always get to the next thing because I was I was moving right along my dash and couldn't mm -hmm. tell you what I ate for dinner the night before because I was moving so fast. So mm -hmm. um, it's been coming up a lot, the theme of slowing down to speed up. So mm -hmm. I would say that I'm living my best life by really making a conscious effort every single day to create my reality and respond the way that, you know, I would be proud of how I responded. I'm not perfect, but that willingness to continue to get better and whatever that looks like. Wow. Are there any final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience, Taylor? Um, I would say my final thoughts would be, you know, all of everything that we've talked about can be super, super scary. And it, and it was a lot, but start, you know, you're worth it. And, and you don't have to be perfect. I am a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Nobody is perfect, no matter how they appear and everybody is absolutely worth it. So if you are curious, if you want to change your life, you absolutely can. And that can mean anything. If you want to change the type of, you know, sister or brother that you are or aunt, uncle, dog mom, cat mom, whatever. If you want different, you absolutely can create different in your life. And you just got to start. That's all. You don't have wow. to take it all on today and figure it out by the weekend. It, it's all a journey and, and you get to make the choice of what you want your journey to look like.
Powerful words indeed. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for being my guest today. You truly are a change maker, as you just said. Uh, I believe every one of us that have been listening or watching on YouTube uh, knows that you are, you have been, and you continue to be a change maker. So thank you so much for sharing all of your words of wisdom and sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I know that once uh, everybody sees this episode or hears it, they're going to want to uh, reach out and connect with you. So how can people reach out and connect with you? I am literally everywhere. I um, I spend more time on Facebook than Instagram, but Taylor A. Carruthers um, on Instagram or Facebook and um, Taylor C. on Instagram. And of course, my company uh, website, I will make sure that you have all the links um, but yeah, I'm super accessible and it's, and it's me responding. So if, if you reach out and you have questions, um, I feel like we also have to stay, say that because people have VAs and everything now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you actually reach out to me and want to chat about something or have questions, it is me uh, responding to you. And I would love to have that conversation. You get Taylor when you connect with her. And uh, after you watch this episode and you want to connect with her, remember to look at the description on both YouTube and the podcast platforms, because right there in the description for this episode is going to be the links that Taylor just mentioned to each and every one of you. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for your time uh, spending here with me, Taylor. It has been wonderful getting to know you and your story. And for all of you out there listening, remember to subscribe and follow this podcast podcast, go ahead and invite your friends and family to join also and uh, hit that five-star rating if you like what you hear. And of course, please send me a review. I always love hearing how you are enjoying each of our guests that we have each week on the podcast. And don't forget to check out my website at www.pathwayswithpatty.org and sign up for a free Zoom chat with me. And you can also get my free copy of the Pathway to a New Beginning Roadmap. And if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, that's another way that you can reach out and we can connect. So until we meet again, continue to live your best dash and know that life's an adventure and I want you to enjoy the journey because your life matters. Thank you for joining us today and may God bless you all.